Hello and welcome to the Horizon Church podcast. We exist to see lives transformed through Jesus and are located in the heart of Surrey, BC, Canada. To find out more, visit us at horizonchurch.ca. We hope this message blesses and inspires you. Good morning. Just seeing if we're all listening, that's what it is, right? Good morning. Uh, how's everyone this morning? If you're cold this morning, it's not because we haven't paid the bill. Um, there are two units up on the roof that need some more parts that are have parts that are either are not made or are stuck in a container. Maybe one of those 100 that went over the sea uh, off Vancouver Island last week. But it's, uh, it's being worked on. They're on order. We've been waiting for months and months. So that's why. Uh, so maybe for the next couple of weeks, wear a sweater or something. So... And for our Princeton campus, they've already had snow, I saw somewhere, uh, starting to show up. So they can have it. Um, one thing about rain is you never have to shovel it. So that's just it. If I, I said this to, on, I was uh, with some people this week who are from the southern United States, and they were asking about uh, Christmas being snow and everything like that. And, and I, I just said, I love Christmas. It's good. But the snow is highly overrated. Don't worry about it. You're not missing a lot. If we could be in a sunny beach as well, I would be down for that. But some of you, who, who's really like, it's, it's November tomorrow. Like crazy, 1,296 hours plus uh, 12, 14, so that's amazing. I'm going to make a mistake, 1,310 hours till Christmas. That's a lot, not a lot, considering I've done nothing to prepare <laughs> as usual. So anyway, it's, uh, we want to just acknowledge the reality of the life that we're living right now. Uh, life is, is challenging at, at the best of times, isn't it? If you're a college student right now, uh, you paid your money and now you realize that you actually do have to study for your midterms. Otherwise, it's going to be a big waste. Uh, if you're a stay-at-home parent, you're doing what you've always done, just moving ahead and doing your best to, to be a part of what, uh, hoping that your children will survive and that you will as well. Uh, maybe you're a senior struggling on a fixed income or many people walking through the reality of frayed relationships. Some people have got a bad uh, prognosis from the doctor, some uh, that we heard this morning even as well that we're praying for. Um, all kinds of stuff going on. Uh, we had well before the pandemic, as some people have called this the age of uh, anxiety, or the age and others, it's the age of rage and Probably those two thoughts are connected, but it's beyond what we're going to talk about this morning. And then when we come into what we've been living through for the last 20 months, we don't have to, we could all write a list of all the craziness that's been uh, going on, uh, masks or no masks. Uh, and I'm going to tread very carefully into an age space right now. Um, so I know there's, there's some in our church that right now are facing the loss of their jobs because of a vaccine mandate. And whatever you feel about that, can you, maybe you're like, well, they should get the shot then. Can I ask you to have some empathy and human compassion for people who are making decisions not based on just because they don't want to do it, but our deeply held personal beliefs. And we still, um, this is where it gets a little dicey for me and I'll, maybe I'll pay the price, but um, hope you can hear my heart in it. We still live in a nation where freedom of conscience should be allowed. So... If for no other reason than that, and the other piece of, think if it was you, um, 
lots of empathy, lots of compassion as people make decisions that are affecting their family and their life and their livelihood. Um, whatever your feelings are on that, uh, don't come and hit me with 17 studies about what it means and all that, please. I'm just drawing attention to the human part of all this, which we should never lose sight of, that people are in the middle of all this, okay? okay. But it does remind us, things like that, that there's a lot of craziness in our world right now on every level. Um, and so it makes me wonder, and I've been thinking about this, uh, it would be easy to be reactionary to what's going on around us. It would be easy for the chaos that's around us to get inside of us. But what would, in the middle of all that's going on, what would it look like for you and your family to thrive in this season? Is there something that might be actually holding you back from thriving in this season? I'm going to say why I believe it's still possible. And is there a way or some practices that could help you thrive? Jesus in John 10, and we've been talking about this series about the way of Jesus, following the way of Jesus, because I want to draw a contrast to between the way of the enemy, which whether wherever you're at, I think most of us can realize that there's good and evil in the world. And if there's good, there's a source of it, which is God. And if there's evil, there's a source of it, which is the enemy. And we're playing out in, in the realm of earth, uh, our part in, the, in this cosmic uh, struggle is, if you will. But John 10, uh, verse 10 says this. I think it's on the screen. Claudia, are you up there? There you are. Uh, I don't think that's the one. Anyway, John 10 and 10. If it's not there, someone will find it. John 10 and 10. The thief comes only to steal and kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. That's Jesus speaking. He's drawn this contrast uh, between these two things. And that word for full means this, to the full. You know, sometimes you're like, what's well, a profound thing? Um, abundant. It's a mathematical uh, term that generally denotes a surplus, that there's more left at the end of the month than there is month, to be in the black, so to speak. Not necessarily a long life, not necessarily an easy life, but a life that's marked by satisfaction and contentment because it's drawn from somewhere deeper. Full, abundant, surplus living. So when we say that Jesus is saying that you may have life and have it to the full, we see things like that. Someone with a lot of life has a surplus of stamina. Someone with a lot of life or an overflow of life could look forward to increased energy in their thinking. Someone with a surplus could think about the possibility of a larger sphere for their life than their background might seem to indicate. Someone with a surplus or with a lot of life has the ability to do things. They are not victims in the middle of it all. Someone with a surplus or to the full or abundant has an overflow of enjoyment. I would have said amen right by now. I will say amen. Good amen, Bester. <laughs> Surplus, someone with a lot of life, has what it takes to overcome. 
And notice that Jesus said, and if you're a follower of Jesus, the reality is you get to tap into a person, into a life source that's greater than what's going on around you, than the battle that's inside of you. It's the person of Jesus. And so that's why we're talking about following the way of Jesus, because it's also more than just a system of living. It's a person who has the ability to do more than you could ever do he has the ability to rule and overrule. He's not under the circumstances. People sometimes will say, I'm under the circumstances. If you're a follower of Jesus, you don't have to live under the circumstances. You are a, the Bible in fact says if you're a follower of Christ, you are seated with him in the heavenly realm. In other words, your perspective is not by based on who's ruling you, what laws are passed or aren't passed, what situation you're walking through right now, what dark darkness that you're in the middle of it, it's not determining the surplus of your life. And it's sometimes a challenging thought, but over the last little while, that's why we've been talking about this is as we have been highlighting the reality of following Jesus in a world gone crazy so that the chaos around us does not get inside of us and steal, kill, and destroy the plan of God for your life, the impact of God for your life, the blessing of God on your life. So two weeks ago, we talked about meditation. And if I'm not going to get into it again. Listen to it online. Meditation and solitude, incredibly powerful tools that help to reorient, reorient you and the way that you think. Last week, we talked about, what did we talk about? Anybody was there? Simplicity. There you go. So the purpose of simplicity is to live a life of purpose. Sometimes there's just too much, too much stuff, too, many, too much going on in our schedule, and we need to simplify a little bit. And today we're going to talk about another spiritual practice called joy. Joy or celebration in the middle of suffering or difficult times. Wow. Thanks, Pastor. I'll leave now. Celebration in the middle of darkness, in the middle of uh, suffering, in the middle of challenging times is a deeply spiritual practice that has the potential to shift everything in your thinking and in your life. That's why, that's why when we have moments like I had at the beginning of this service where I talked about God inhabits the praises of his people, it's incredibly important, and we're going to look into that a little bit. Because if we're not careful, we'll absorb, absorb the culture around us. We will come under the ruling spirits around us, and we will live from a perspective that is stealing, killing, and destroying instead of surplus, more than enough, abundant in the middle of all that's going on. And some of us have to have some adjustments this morning, including me, because it's very clear that we struggle with this, how easily we can be offended, how easily we can be frustrated. The fear, the anxiety, the anger, the emotions that flow and the behaviors that come out of, as we talked about last week and the week before, out of the overflow of our heart, our mouth speaks. And so we're so careful. We need to be so careful to, to guard our heart. But we can choose to pursue joy in hardship and in difficult times. We can engage in this spiritual practice 
or discipline and see God do something incredible. But Greg, have you seen what's going on in the world around you? If you had an idea of what I am walking through, if you knew what I was experiencing, and I don't pretend to know all of that, I'm only going to preach Bible to you and let the word of God adjust where you are so that we don't make the mistake of living out of our circumstances, but we live out of the principles and the power of Jesus and the word of God. Romans 5, 1 and 4, the Apostle Paul wrote this, and Paul uh, was, wrote a, a large part of the New Testament. Uh, he was a persecutor of the followers of Jesus, had an encounter with Jesus. His life was changed and transformed, and he went to become one of the greatest church builders and shapers of the thinking of the church. In Romans 5, 1 to 4, it says this, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Wonderful. So far, so good. There, Through him, through Jesus, we have also obtained access by faith into a grace, in other words, into the power of God in which we stand, and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. So far, so good, Craig. I can live with this. But not only that. You know when someone says, oh, just one more thing. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering... Knowing that suffering produces what? Endurance. And endurance produces character. Uh, and character produces hope. What, does, what do most of us need right now? Hope. How do we get there? By a magical thing with unicorns. And it's just going to appear. No. We rejoice in our sufferings knowing that, not wondering if or hoping, but knowing that suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character and character produces hope. Joy and, rejo and rejoicing produce character, produce endurance, produce hope. We'll go on. In 2 Corinthians 11, 25 to 27, because some people would say, well, if, that's really good for Paul. Really good for Paul, but if, if he knew what I was going through, have you read about Paul? I'm just going to, okay. This is what Paul wrote, the guy who said rejoice in suffering. Five times I received 40 stripes minus ones, and he's not talking, he's talking about whips, 39 lashes, five times. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned, not that kind. Once I was stoned, rocks throwing at him, left for dead. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I've been in the deep. In other words, he was floating on, uh, in the water for a day and a night. In journeys often, in perils of waters, in perils of robbers, in perils of my own countrymen, in danger from the Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the wilderness, in danger in the sea, in danger among false brethren, in weariness and toil, in sleeplessness, often in hunger and cold, in fastings and often, in cold and nakedness, besides all the other things. Wow. So when he says rejoice in suffering, he has some perspective on it. And he has a clue and he's reminding us of something. But Jesus himself also modeled celebration. Jesus at the first miracle that we see him performing was at a wedding. And he made 
wine. And in fact, he said it was not just regular wine, it was the best wine. Again, please don't email me about my perspective on wine. I'm just reading the Bible. Jesus was, was accused of being a glutton and a drunkard. Not that he was, but because he allowed himself to, in, to celebrate at times. God is a celebrator. Zephaniah 3.17 says, The Lord your God is in the middle of you, a mighty one who will save you. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love. He will exalt over you with loud singing. God is a rejoicer, a celebrator. Celebration in, in Christianity is, is rooted in some ancient spiritual practices and feasts that the Jewish people in the Old Testament uh, practiced and, and the observant ones still practice. Like the one uh, Purim, which is around Esther, marking their deliverance from the wicked Haman. Or the Passover, marking their deliverance from slavery. Or Hanukkah, celebrating the rededication of the temple. All shaped around God's command to remember and celebrate. And well, too much celebrating could become, or celebrating could become excessive. No celebration is also bad. I am by nature not an exuberant celebrator. Okay, now all the judgment, just let it go. <laughs> I'm learning because all the rest of the people in my house are exuberant celebrators. The people who have married in are exuberant celebrators. But I think Justin's married in and him and I are probably in the... In the <laughs> If you know Justin, hey, Justin, it's, you're still not in. So November the 19th, don't say anything. No, no comments. And we are right to celebrate weddings and baptisms and, and family uh, celebrations and a job uh, 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 promotion, a raise, whatever. We're right to celebrate those. But what makes participation in these celebrations a spiritual discipline or a spiritual practice is remembering that we are rejoicing in God's good gift. Every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights. Every good and perfect gift. And so the key to remember in celebration is out of 1 Corinthians 10. Whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God. That's the boundary lines for your celebration. And I'll let you and Jesus fill in the blanks. But whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God. But what does it mean to engage in a spiritual practice of celebration when things aren't good in your life? It's easy to celebrate when the check comes in the mail, when the answer arrives at just the right time, when you have more than enough in your bank account, when everybody likes you, it's easy to celebrate. That's just a response of your heart. But the Bible also talks about we bring a sacrifice of praise. That's in moments like this when they don't feel joyful, when we didn't get the raise, maybe we got laid off instead. When despite our best efforts in our, uh, our prayer, our son is still caught in addiction. 
when we lose the job, when the test results come back in a way that shifts everything in our life, what then? Elaine A. Heath writes in an article, Ministry Matters, get this, while it seems counterintuitive, the Christian practice of celebration is most potent and most healing in times like that. The central reason for Christian celebration is that God in Jesus is making all things new. Jesus shows us that God is for us and not against us, that God is with us and not absent. In Jesus, God became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood, as it says in, in John 1 in the message translation. And celebration reminds us again that God is still moving into our neighborhoods, into our family, into our situation and communities that celebration reminds us again and we remind ourselves that we are not alone. That every good and perfect gift that God has not done yet, celebration reminds us that Romans 8 and 28, reminds us what Romans 8 and 28 says. And some of us immediately begin to process it in our head and that God causes all things to work together for our good and his glory. In other words, in the middle of a situation where I've been betrayed, where I don't know what I'm gonna do, that I rest in and I do something that's counterintuitive and I lift my hands and say, God is good. God is for me. He is not against me. No matter what the enemy is doing right now in my life, that it's not not over yet, that God is still writing the rest of the story, that God has taken things that, that the enemy intended for evil and turning them around for my good. And I begin to stand in the middle of the pain. I begin to stand in the middle of the darkness. I begin to stand when I just don't know what to do. And I do what I know that the word of God says to do. And I lift my hands and say, oh, God is good. My God is for me. No weapon for me is going to prosper. Formed against me is going to prosper. The enemy is not going to have the last word in this situation. That God is still moving. That Jesus came and he's alive and he's moving in ways that I don't even know right now. And I begin to lift celebration. That's when it's a spiritual practice that is potent and powerful. And if you've ever had the opportunity to worship with people in the developing world, you know what I'm talking about. Nearly every time when our students that go to Mexico or go to, uh, to Africa or some place where there's some physical challenges, they will always come back after having done church in a, in a building that maybe has some holes in it. Maybe there's sticks around the, the corner and it's open air and there's hard benches. And they come back and they say, where do these people get the joy? They lift their hands and worship with exuberance. There's nobody scrolling through Instagram while worship's going on. Why is that? Because they have discovered the secret of this powerful practice that literally shifts things for them from the inside out, that causes them to not be subject to their circumstances, to not be under their circumstances, but to rise above and live at a higher space and place than they are currently experiencing. They begin to understand that they are more than a conqueror through Jesus who loves them, that they have over 
overcome and they will overcome, that they are overcomers in the middle of it. If you step and talk to somebody who's seen Jesus beat uh, addiction in them, they have no trouble worshiping because they know what it's like to be in spaces and places where it's dark and they've seen and experienced what God has done for their life. And so they lift their hands and well, it's, it might be bad today, but God is still moving. And we begin to posture ourselves in such a way that greater is he that's within me than he that's in the world. This morning, our daughter, Annika, was messaging our, our family chat. She said last night she went into the house and she noticed the lights on her car were on, but they're one of those cars that the lights go off over time. All, they, all cars have that feature, I guess, but... But hers were supposed to go off after a few minutes, and she was had this thought, I wonder if they're going to go off. And, of course, they did go off, but they didn't go off by themselves. They killed her battery this morning. And so she had to call somebody to come and jumpstart her car so that the power would begin to flow again. That's a little bit what, like, celebration is your jump start. It's like cords that attach you into the presence of heaven. It's like cords that tie you into a deeper power source than you currently have right now. It's because when you attach the cord, until you attach the cord, nothing begins to shift. But once you attach and jumpstart yourself with beginning to lift a sacrifice of praise, then God can do this. And why is this so important? Nehemiah 8 and 10, in the context of the rebuilding of the walls, these people had come out of some difficult spaces. Everything was not the way that they thought it was. And so they began to read the word of God to them. And they were, they were crying about all the things that weren't going right in their life. And, and, and they had heard the word of God. And so the, the prophet says to them, go your way, eat the fat, drink sweet wine, and send portions to anyone who has nothing ready. For this day is holy to the Lord. And do not be grieved, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. You need strength to live, right? So what if the enemy wants to stop your strength? What is he all, all he needs to do? Steal your joy. Steal our joy. It's, it's, it's incredibly powerful. But we forget so readily. Dorothy Greco in an article in Relevant Magazine said that despite God's continued faithfulness, our memories tend to be short-term. Anybody else guilty? Our memories tend to be short-term. We easily get distracted and swallowed up by both the incidental and the enormous challenges of life that we forget the many times God has dropped manna, supernatural provision, or part of the waters and made a way where there didn't seem to be a way. Wren Collective, the Irish band, the Irish band that you probably listened to on that 106.5 stations, I forget the name of it, um, the band leader explained this, that joy is a spiritual discipline. We as a people are much more inclined to negativity and cynicism. Have you noticed that in our world around us? We don't find it easy or natural to pursue joy. And that's why God in his word actually commands it, almost like he knows what you need. We come by a gospel we're celebrating. We come before a celebrating king. We need to get down to the serious business of joy. We must wrestle for our blessing. We must fight for our joy. Because when we intentionally choose joy and celebration, even when we don't feel it, celebration beats back. 
that never pleased tyrant of perfectionism. Celebration beats the insidious enemy of worry. Celebration contends against the constant inner mockery of inadequacy and its evil twin pride. Celebration is countercultural, and we tap into something greater. And now let me be very clear. This is not a fake it till you make it moment. Because some people, well, just be positive. Being positive will help you for sure. But that's not what this is. This is actually tapping into the very presence of God. And so what happens? I'm just going to do four, four things that show that the Bible tells us that happens through celebration. Celebration releases God's power in us. 1 Thessalonians 5, 8, 18 to 19. Give thanks in... Oh, there's where the Bible is irritating. <laughs> Give thanks in some or most, all the ones except my list. No, give thanks in all circumstances, not for them. You're not always thankful for something, but you can be thankful in it for what we've already talked about. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. And then there's this little phrase at the end. Do not put out the Spirit's fire. Have you ever wondered why that's there? He commands us to give thanks and then says, don't put out the Spirit's fire. It means that when we are unthankful, we lose or put out the fire of God in our life. We can actually, through our unthankfulness, lose the power of God in our life. We lose the power of, to be joyful. We lose the power to do the works that he has called us to do. And we often bring even the discipline of God. Israel was often disciplined in the wilderness for all their complaining to God. However, living a life of thanksgiving and celebration opens the door for the Spirit to work in your life and through your life to give you joy. Many Christians are walking around without power, not because of a storm, well, maybe, because they neglect the practice of thanksgiving or celebration. And many Christians are complainers and worriers, and by their complaining and worrying, they cause... They're sort of they place water on the Spirit's fire, affecting both themselves and whatever community they are part of. So the alternative is you can shift the atmosphere the other way by celebrating. Celebration also produces peace and hope and love. It squelches bitterness. It squelches resentment. It squelches criticism. It squelches all those things as you intentionally remind yourself of who God is and what he's done. We see this example in Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Do not be anxious about anything, but by everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving. There it is again, or celebration. Present your request to God and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and mind. When we're anxious, Paul rightly tells us to pray and bring our requests. Then he says this phrase in the middle of it, do it with thanksgiving. And the context again reveals that the result is peace. And we go on through the scriptures and we look as well, not only is there peace in his presence, the psalmist in Psalm 1611 says that you have made known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence and with eternal pleasures at your right hand. And not just peace and joy, but also hope, which is why Paul could say what he said in Romans 15 and 13, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow. There's that word again. It's the same, it comes from the same root word that Jesus said that you will have abundance. You will have overflow. You will have to the full, the same word right there, that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. One 
once in his presence, anxiety and worry and fear disappear. They leave. They have to go. Why? Because there is no anxiety in God's presence. God is not anxious about anything that's happening in the world or in your world. And if we, we need to get into that place, no worry, no stress in God's throne room. And the reason is because he's the king of kings. He's the Lord of lords. He sees the end from the beginning. He's the alpha, the omega. He created the heavens with his word and he sustains all things by his word. And so I can celebrate in the middle of it all. No one can overthrow or turn, overturn his plan for my life. No one, nothing, nothing. Celebration also wins the battle for us. Psalm 8 and 2, through the praise of children and infants, you have established a stronghold against your enemies to silence the foe and the, and, and the avenger. And it doesn't mean it's just children and infants. It's trying to underline for us, you don't need to be a super praiser. I've had 27 years of experience in praising. You should see what happens when I praise. Not what it's talking about. It's talking about anybody has access to a supernatural power. When you begin to praise God in the middle of it all, when things are good, when things are challenging, when they're in between, when you don't know which way to go, there's something that powerful and often physical battles are won because you praise in the supernatural. The supernatural begins to overrule the natural and God begins to move. And celebration is incredibly powerful and helps you win the battle for what's happening in your life. Celebration is also just healthy. You can find all kinds of study that you will be healthier in nearly every area of your life if you're a celebrating person. Honey, if you want to put the Christmas tree up before de December, you go ahead. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stretch myself right now. Celebration can be a great antidote for sadness, for depression, for oppression, for difficulty, for pain, for discouragement. Celebration is countercultural, and you, it's not only countercultural, it's supernatural. And when you begin to celebrate in the context of what God has done, God does what only God can do, and he rules and overrules. The worship team can come, uh, and we're going to put this into practice here in a moment. But what are some ways that we can practice the discipline of celebration, all of us? Very, just three simple ones. Number one, practice the discipline of singing praise and worship. It's so encouraging that the Bible says, make a joyful noise. Not all of us make a, a wonderful noise, but we can also make a joyful one. Practice the discipline of singing praise and worship. Maybe turn off the cable news network and put on some worship and lift your hands in your living room and begin to praise God. I thank you that you're ruling and overruling that the Kings of the earth make their schemes, but God in heaven laughs at them. It's incredibly powerful that you make it not just a listening to it, but you begin to sing it out in your living room, instead of listening to sports talk all the time or 93.7 or whatever your station is, put on something. We have this wonderful technology. Most of us carry around more songs than our parents had in their entire library. Songs of worship, songs that celebrate, songs that praise God. That when I'm in the middle of the storm, God's moving and working. That the resurrection power of God is still powerful for me today in the middle of it all. Practice the discipline of giving thanks to God in all circumstances. God, I thank you right now that you're still God. I thank you right now that you have not forgotten me or abandoned me. 
I thank you, God, right now that greater are you that's within me than anything that is in the world. I thank you, God, that you're my provider. I thank you, that God, that you're my healer. I thank you, God, that you rule and overrule all the situations that are concerning me right now. Lord, I thank you that your hand is on my life for good. God, I thank you. Do you see where I'm going? You begin to praise and remind yourself of who God is and giving thanks in all circumstances until we develop the natural habit of joy and celebration. Practicing the discipline of giving thanks to others will help us to recognize their good works and how God is working through the people that are around us. 1 Corinthians 10 and 31, so whatever you, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. In that context, what is God inviting you to celebrate? How could you celebrate? What are some things that you could do? You could do some of the things we already talked about. You could eat some ice cream. God, I thank you for ice cream. Sometimes it's, it's okay. It's, we make it super spiritual. Ice cream is good. I like rum and raisin. Don't go at me with a rum thing again. I'm not, it's just, I, someone told me it's old man flavor. I was like, okay. Play a board game with somebody. Make a list of three things you're thankful for to God and tell somebody why. Remind yourself. Get on FaceTime with somebody and tell about the good old days where you've seen God move and tell stories about what God's done. Instead of all the things that might be happening or all the bad things that are happening, start telling of the goodness of the Lord. Grace talked earlier in Psalm 145, let one generation commend his works so that the next generation will hear the goodness of God. Come home on Friday, instead of complaining, give the shopping spouse member $50 and say, go have some fun. I don't know what you could do with $50 nowadays, but maybe it needs to be. Smile at everybody at work until they go, what's wrong? Have a family dinner. Play Smash Bros with your friends online. If you don't know what that is, you're probably not playing it. Eat with china plates on Wednesday night simply because you're saying, God is good and we're going to celebrate God. Watch that movie that makes you laugh and nobody else understands why. Do you get the point? In the middle of all that's going crazy around us, it's so important that we approach our life from the space and the place that God is good, that God is for me, he's not against me, that he's causing all things to work together for my good and his glory, that God is able when I don't see it, he's able in the middle of the storm, and that he is doing something powerful through the practice and discipline of celebration. Now the world does the opposite, complain, cynicism, anger, frustration, hatred, wow. We tap into heaven and we can bring heaven into other spaces that absolutely are desperately needing the reality, starting with my own life, your own life, starting with our families, starting with our workplaces, that we would live and work and walk in a different way. Not waiting until everything changes and then I'll bring celebration but bringing a sacrifice of praise and saying, God, you're going to have to shift something in my life. I've done that many times in my life. 
where I've laid on my face before God, celebrating, praising, thanking him and saying, God, you're going to have to do something on the inside of me because I don't know what to do. I can't fix the mess that's on in the unhappening, but God, you're good. And we can be trite about this and to say it's worked up of the happy clappy kind of churches. It's a biblical injunction. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. I'm gonna invite you to stand to your feet. If you're online, stay online for a minute. Princeton, just stay here with us for a minute. We're gonna go into resurrecting. We're gonna sing it out. But in the context of what you just heard, would you worship a little differently? Anybody, wave your hand at me. In the context of what we just heard and understanding what is happening, are we ready, Gracie? Here we go. You go ahead. Spirit and by your spirit. 
Jesus, we thank you that you are alive and present and moving. Lord, we, where, whatever space we're in right now, whether it's a sacrifice of praise, because we don't see what we think that you've said yet, we offer our sacrifice of praise and we will continue to offer our sacrifice of praise. Maybe it's a response of just, wow, how good God has been in my life and, and I just can't help but celebrate the goodness of God. Whatever space we're in, Lord, we thank you that you do things in that incredible moment when we choose to celebrate who God is and what he's done and what he's doing. And Lord, for my family in the room, Lord, those that are watching online, those that are in Princeton, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven spaces of discouragement, in places of difficulty, in places of pain, in places where things have just seemed to hang on. Lord, I pray as they put into practice this even more, this practice of celebration, 
Lord, that you would do exceedingly abundantly above all they could ask, think, or even imagine according to the power of Jesus that's within us. In the strong name of Jesus, and everyone said, We hope you enjoyed this message from Horizon Church. To find your next step, visit horizonfam.ca. Have a great week.